Hey friends, good to see you. Uh, what a week it's been. Um, I just feel like during this week, I felt about every emotion uh, that there is to feel. And I think we kind of knew that uh, coming into this week. We had uh, just all the angst that comes with election season, especially in our country and all the ups and downs of that. And then feeling that, I feel like when I was younger, things would get resolved on Tuesday night. Uh, maybe, that, maybe that's just a poor memory, but then to have that angst and that, that frustration stretched out over numerous days has just been just heavy, just a lot. And I think you feel the ups and downs of all that. Uh, and then I felt distant. Uh, I felt distant from those I cared about um, as politics are one of those things that so often divide us. And you wonder how others are doing and you wonder how others are doing who might be in different spots and different sides of the aisle from you. And you wonder if and when it's appropriate to reach out and just all the heaviness and confusion and awkwardness of that and our relationships and policies and how the things that we care about uh, are gonna play out moving forward. Uh, it's just been a heavy time that's been full of emotion. And then there's the emotion of even the game yesterday, uh, the big football game from Notre Dame and Clemson. And I'm recording this beforehand, so I don't even know how I, how it went down. Uh, but all I know is that right now, I either need like a really big hug or a really big high five, and I don't know which one. Um, but I know that it's also going to be just another emotional time for me. Now, I don't know what your week's been like, but I'm guessing that it's been pretty similar. I'm guessing that you've uh, felt like you were caring a lot, that you've been kind of all over the place. Uh, and I've heard from, from many of you already just early in the week, uh, just about the stress and tension that you were feeling in that. And so we come to the end of this long week. Uh, I come to the end of weeks like this and I'm just looking for some centeredness and some groundedness. And uh, I often look to come to church for that, right? And so maybe that's why you're listening to this right now is you're just looking for uh, that bit of centeredness and groundedness and perspective in the middle of what's been a really long week. And uh, Tuesday night in the middle of like all the like uncertainty surrounding the election, I saw somebody tweeted uh, in the middle of it, friends be praying for your pastors. And I was like, I receive that right, right now because this is really kind of hard to know how to communicate right now, especially to know what to say and what wisdom to bring especially in moments where we as pastors are feeling disoriented, even ourselves. So I'm really thankful uh, that as we talked about a team, we were anticipating this week being kind of challenging. And we decided the best way for us to move forward uh, was to take a series focusing on prayer and to just take some time on prayer in this season. Uh, as we think about prayer, uh, prayer is one of those things, as we talk about prayer, we're talking about uh, how we communicate and interact and talk with God, right? And prayer takes on a handful of purposes. One of the things we're talking about when we talk about prayer is prayer as a mode of changing or influencing God and changing or influencing the world. Honestly, like as a kid, this was really the only side of prayer that I knew, right? Uh, was uh, praying so that things would be different, right? It was like, dear Jesus, please. That was like the extent of my prayer life was dear Jesus, please do this, dear Jesus, please help my grandma uh, get healthy and not be sick anymore. Dear Jesus, please help me to pass this test. Dear Jesus, please help my soccer team to win this game, right? Uh, reaching out and praying to God, asking that God would change the circumstances of our world. And that's actually a deep part of our tr Christian tradition is the belief that somehow, in some way, 
in ways we don't fully understand that as we reach out and talk to God, it changes things. And we see Jesus encouraging us to do this. Uh, he told a story in Luke chapter 18 that's known as the parable of the persistent widow. And it's just this story about this older lady who comes and has a need. And so she goes and she's pounding on the door uh, of the man in the area who can take care of her needs. And she's pounding and pounding and pounding and bothering and bothering and annoying him until he finally he relents. And Jesus uses this as a story to say, yes, when you have something that's on your heart, you should pray about it. You should come and you should ask and you should ask regularly and you should ask persistently and you should keep asking and asking and asking the things that are on your heart in the hopes that it will change or influence the way the world works. And so in this time, we look at that. And just again, I just wanna say, just as a disclaimer, I don't really know how that works. And as I get older and think about this, I'm not always comfortable with thinking about prayer as changing God's mind because then I have lots of questions about all the times that I've prayed for things, really important things, really kind, thoughtful things, not like whether my soccer team would win, but for people I cared about to, to get better and didn't, right? Or there's people in the world that are praying prayers of desperation uh, that aren't finding solutions to that. So I don't mean to take this lightly or say that uh, as we simply ask God for things, everything magically happens, uh, but Regardless, reaching out to God uh, with these requests and with the desire to see the world change is something that's a part of our tradition. And so it's something we still wanna lean into, even if we don't know how it works. So in this time of confusion, in this time of kind of uh, heaviness uh, and awkwardness that has been in our country over this election season, may we pray, may we pray for change. May we pray for our country. May we pray for justice. May we pray for peace. May we pray for wisdom for our leaders and may we pray for empathy that we would understand each other better as people. So one way prayer factors is through change and influence. But another thing that prayer does is prayer is just a means of expressing ourselves, right? So we pray to let God know the things that we're feeling inside. Uh, so we praise God for the good times that we're experiencing and we communicate with him, uh, with God, how uh, blessed we are and we lament before God for the times that things are difficult and heavy. We reveal ourselves to God and just kind of let him in on that process. And as we uh, search ourselves and express ourselves, we allow God into our lives a little closer. This is actually a side of prayer that I grew into later in life. I didn't really get this as a kid, but over time I started to kind of lean into this this need to express and this need to let God in. Because for, for connection to happen, uh, whether it's with God or whether it's with anybody else really, for connection to happen, we have to let people in. We have to be authentic about who we are and where we're at. And so in some ways, that's what prayer is. It's saying, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. Uh, I'm angry right now and I want you to share this anger with me. Or I'm feeling great right now, I'm full of joy. I just want you to know and I want you to share this with me. I think of what prayer means in this, in the closeness of relationship as it means to me being a parent. Because I think about my life and my relationship with my kids and, and what I want from them. And yeah, I want them to grow up and become these great people and accomplish great things. Um, but more so, like I want to grow up to be a part, with me being a part of their life. Right? I, my biggest fear is not that they would mess up. My biggest fear is that they would shut me out of participating and walking through life with them. 
And this is kind of what goes on with prayer too. It's not just about thinking about how the world might change as we talk to God, but it's also just thinking about sharing the things that we're feeling, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, sharing those things with God and sharing those things with others as a way to get grow deeper into relationship. But the last aspect of prayer isn't just about changing our situations and it's not just about expressing ourselves. The last way that prayer is effective is through what we call formation, right? That prayer can be something that shapes us, that forms us, that changes us. Prayer can be something that helps us to become the people that we want to become. And this aspect of prayer is actually where we're going with this series. And we're gonna go here into prayer as formation with the help of the Psalms. So you may be familiar with the Psalms, you may not be familiar with the Psalms, uh, but the Psalms are a chunk of the Old Testament, which are prayers in song form. And these prayers in song form, there's 150 of them, and they have been curated by the church over a period of about 500 years. And just thinking about the longevity of that blows my mind, right? Because right now, like on the radio or on Spotify, you'll have like the stations of like the best hits of the 80s, right? Or the best of the 90s. Uh, this is like the best of a 500 year range, right? So you're getting the best of the best. And what you get when you look at the Psalms and aren't just the songs and prayers uh, of the people, but you're getting kind of this really distilled version of the songs and prayers that have been the most meaningful and most impactful to the church through the centuries. This is a distilled wisdom that's here in the Psalms that really captures the essence of what it means to feel human and what it means to interact with God. So whatever it is that you're going through, uh, it's great because there's a good chance, the Psalms are so broad that whatever it is you're going through, there's a good chance that you'll find something to connect with in there. There's a good chance that you'll find something that somebody else has also been through and wrote it out in prayer and song. And these moments help us to feel understood and they point us towards God and point us more towards peace. But it's not just about finding a Psalm for the right occasion, right? Because that's kind of how I mostly intersected with the Psalms uh, throughout my childhood was, uh, if you're feeling good, go find a Psalm that like fits with what you're feeling, right? Uh, but in this formation, we see that the Psalms had another use. And that's that throughout the centuries in the church, a Jewish and Christian people have read from the Psalms as a part of the daily liturgy, right? So as a part of just kind of the daily practice of a church, there's, uh, there's assigned Psalms per day, and the church would read the assigned Psalm for that day and read through it. But if you're reading through an assigned Psalm that's kind of been picked out years before you ever came along into the scene, uh, if you're reading through an assigned Psalm, there's less chance that that's necessarily what you're feeling in that moment, right then? It becomes an entirely different perspective. There's a good chance that as you're reading through the Psalm of the day, whatever that Psalm of the day is, there's a good chance that you're reading something that you don't necessarily feel right then. Maybe you're in the midst of a week where you've experienced soul-crushing loss. You may be experiencing that soul-crushing loss and turn to the Psalm of the day, and it's a Psalm of the day celebrating the greatness of God who brings good things. Or on the other side, you may have be experiencing a great time, right? Maybe you just got promoted at work or maybe things are going really well with family. And in the midst of you kind of riding high, you turn to the Psalm of the day and the Psalm of the day is one of these Psalms of lament of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, oftentimes when we turn to the Psalms, we're not finding something that's exactly where we are, but we're finding things that are different than where we're at. 
but there's a benefit in that. There's a benefit in reading and praying through something that may be different than what we're feeling in the moment. Because those things form us and ground us in a world and a perspective that's bigger than ourselves and bigger than the moment. One of the ways it does that is through building empathy, right? If I read something and I'm not feeling low, I'm having a great week, things are going well, and then I read a lament, it may be kind of jarring for me, but maybe it moves me in the midst of that moment of lament to realize that there are other people out there, perhaps friends or neighbors who are close to me, that are feeling those words of lament right there in that moment. Maybe it drives us towards empathy. Maybe it drives us towards truth, right? That we're feeling something about the world. We're feeling something about life. We're feeling that things are, are going against us and there's no hope for moving forward. And then we turn to the Psalms and we, receive, we see a Psalm of praise about God's goodness. And it reminds us of a truth that's out there, even if it's not the thing that we're feeling right now. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I know I'm a big feeler. Um, I feel things very deeply, uh, but I know that my feelings don't always, uh, the way I feel about things isn't always the way that I want to feel, right? Just because I'm feeling it doesn't mean that, that I, it means I might recognize that that's not, not the healthiest or best way to feel about it. Like right now, again, I don't know what happened last night, but probably by the time you're listening to this right now, like I'm feeling like, overly dejected about the football game, or I'm feeling like overly ecstatic. And either way, I'm feeling these really strong feelings. And yet I realize inside that it's just football and there's no reason that I should be feeling so heavily about something like this at all, right? So in those moments, when we're swept away by our feelings, sometimes we just need redirection and grounding to pull us back to the truth that we know to be there. It's not just in silly things like football, often it's in more serious things. That in times of plenty, may we be reminded that there's others around us, friends and neighbors that may be experiencing scarcity in the middle of our times of experiencing abundance. Or in our times of grief, as we read praise and thanksgiving, may we be reminded that there's goodness ahead and that God wants to walk forward with us into that goodness. So this month, that's what we're doing. This month, in the midst of all the sorts of confusion and chaos and emotion that we may be feeling for a variety of reasons, we are going to commit to praying through the Psalms. Each week, here's what's gonna happen. Each week, we're going to present to the church a Psalm of the week. Uh, we're gonna talk about it very briefly on the front end here, and then we're gonna encourage you to pray through that one Psalm every day. So every day, we're gonna pray through the same Psalm and then at the end of the week, we're gonna talk about what that experience was like for us. In what ways did it form us? In what ways did it shape us? In what ways did it ground us? So this week, to get us started, we're gonna look at Psalm 146. Now, uh, a little while back when we were planning this series, Jason um, came to me and said, hey Ryan, will you teach a series? And would you go ahead and find a Psalm of praise that we can talk through for this first week? And so it sounded great, I was excited about it, and I pulled up a list uh, just of what are all the Psalms of praise and started prayerfully reading through each of the Psalms of praise. And when I got to Psalm 146, it was pretty obvious that this one was obvious for this moment for reasons you'll see in just a second. Um, but I want you to know, like as we talk about these Psalms each week, um, 
this is not like a complex sermon, right? I'm not trying to present anything profound for you this week. I'm not expecting you to have these massive aha moments. My goal is just to present the psalm and present a little bit of context for it because the big work that's gonna happen in us this week isn't going to come from the sermon, it's gonna come from the work that the psalm does in our life as we read through it and pray through it each week, each day. Um, so I'm just here, I'm just trying to give some basic context to help us shape this process as we go through the week. All right, so if you wanna look at the text, we're gonna pull up Psalm 146, verses one through five. The psalmist starts with this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they will return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed is he whose, hope, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So right away in here again it's kind of obvious why this is great for this moment uh right away here we see this acknowledgement that as humans when things get tough we start to look for solutions and it's easy to believe when things are tough and we're looking for solutions that the next person that steps up the next person that comes along is going to fix everything for us the world is going to be put back together the problems that we have are going to be taken care of if we can just get that next right person to come along but right here in this passage, it just starts off with this simple caution about trusting political leaders to bring the solutions that we're looking for. Now, as we look at that, about this caution towards political leaders, it's easy to think about it just in the context of 2020 America. But let's think for a bit about the context in which this was written. All right, this was written to the Hebrew people. This was written in the time shortly after the exile the Hebrew people throughout their history together really experienced uh, very little time where they were actually in control of their own power, where they're actually in control of their own leadership. When it talks about not trusting uh, in princes and men who come along to try and save, uh, it's not talking about uh, voted elected leaders that come along every couple of years, right? If something needed to change for these people, uh, they were often dealing with occupation by enemy forces or they were carried off and spent time as slaves in other countries. So if something was going to change for them throughout the course of their history, uh, the only way for change to happen was for somebody to, to happen to rise up after decades and decades or perhaps centuries of oppression and overthrow the king or for another king from another country to ride in with his armies and to overthrow the king that had been oppressing them to this time, which was really just trading one kind of oppression for another. So from their perspective, what does it look like for them as they would hear these words of do not put your trust in princes? What does political hope, this hope of changing the systems of the world, look like in a world in which if things are bad, your only hope is someone rising up or another king coming in to overthrow it. If that's your only hope for things getting better, what do you hear when you hear this passage? Or how do you process hope and peace when you're completely on the outside of power? When it feels like not only have you not had power in a long time, but that there's no path for you getting to a point where you have the power to control the change that you so desperately need. Do this, does this encouragement strike you differently, if that's the case? And how much more so then should this caution about trusting be, political leaders be 
when power often seems within reach, when we're not waiting for decades or centuries for the next uprising or, or invasion, but when we don't get what we want in the political sphere, we're waiting just one year or two years or four more years to be able to make changes. And we convince ourselves that if we can just get one year down the road or two years or four years down the road, then everything will be better. And then the right people will be in power and then we will be saved and the things will all be worked out and figured out. Well, when we go to those kinds of solutions, this Psalm brings some caution for us. But it goes on in verses five through six. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. So here the psalmist takes this turn for us. The psalmist takes this turn into a deeper and broader perspective. He's taking us off from the immediate need to look for aid from these political leaders that rise up and setting us on a longer term perspective, recentering us, grounding us by turning our attention towards God. This summer uh, was great privilege. So my daughter, Mickey, finally learned how to ride her bike. It's kind of a sad moment for me because it's the last of my three daughters to get to teach that process to. But I remember as I was teaching her, you know, I'm, I'm wheeling her down the sidewalk and she's starting to pedal. And as she would start to pedal, uh, she was looking down, straight down between her knees as she's pedaling, uh, trying to keep the bike straight on the sidewalk, right? And as she's looking straight down at the path in front of her to try and stay in the center of the sidewalk, all that ends up doing is she ends up swerving like crazy side to side. And as you know, if you've ever ridden a bike or driven a car for that matter, uh, the way to stay steady in the midst of those situations is to look down the sidewalk. So I would take Michaela and I say, Mick, all right, you're in the center of the sidewalk now, so you're already starting here. So I want you to look all the way down at the end of the street. And I want you to see that fire hydrant that's all the way down there at the end of the street. And I want you to focus on that fire hydrant as you drive ahead. And I remember her looking at me like I was crazy because she was like, dad, I'm not going to the fire hydrant. <laughs> like I have no intention of going that far. Why would I look there when all I want to do is stay, stay in the middle of the block that is right in front of me? And over time, again, I had to convince her that staying in the middle of the block in front of you takes a longer perspective, even if it's just for staying in the moment that you're there. There needs to be this recentering of our perspective by latching onto something that's longer that's deeper. And here the psalmist redirects us to God. He says, set your trust into the God of Jacob. Here as a Hebrew, he's talking about their ancestors, right? Instead of the, the leaders that come along here and there, what about the God who's been with us since your grandpa and your grandpa's grandpa and your grandpa's grandpa? What about the God that's been with us all this time? What if we put our hearts and our trust there? Or the psalmist refers to God as creator talking about the power of God to put behind everything that is. And not just the power of creation, but the timelessness, right? That this is a God we can turn to who has been here since before anything was and will be here long after. It's a recentering and regrounding from the urgency of the moment. Instead of trusting the new name of the hour, what about the God who has been there from the beginning? The psalmist concludes with a section in verses seven through 10. He says this, God upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien 
or foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. So here we dive into this list of things God cares about. And it's really important because there's two questions involved here. The first is, what kind of a God is God? Right, in these moments of confusion where the world seems to be on fire, and many times we're asking that question, what kind of a God is God? We see these current events of people being hurt, of lives being destroyed, and we have to ask, is God okay with this? Is God, does God affirm this? And not just is God okay with this, is God causing this? Right, so here the psalmist, as the psalmist tends to center us and redirect us into the depth of who God really is, gives an explain, explanation of the character of God, the types of things God cares about. But it's more than just asking the question, what kind of a God is God? And we see that God is a God who cares about the foreigner and the widow and the oppressed. The question is also, what kind of people should we be? Because those questions are always linked through the scriptures. What kind of a God is God and what kind of people should we be? You cannot separate those things. Because the story of the church, the story of the followers of God, is a community that's living out the world as it should be, not as it is. Or we could say heaven on earth, right? Living out heaven on earth. That on earth we try to live out the values and the priorities in the way that we see God would have things to be. So the question isn't just what kind of a God is God, the question is what kind of people are we supposed to be? And so in this psalm, it asks some very plain questions. Are we using our power to make sure that there is advocacy for the oppressed? To make sure there's food for the hungry and freedom for the prisoners? Are we using our power to make sure there is sight to the blind or we could say access to good health for all people? Are we using our power to make sure that those who are bowed down, or you could see the people bowing down as those outside of power, are we using our power to make sure those outside power are lifted up? Are we using our power to make sure that righteous and good character are valued? To make sure that foreigners, or those who are desperately finding themselves in a strange land, are we using our power to make sure that foreigners are watched over, that vulnerable children and widows are sustained? and that the plans of ill-intentioned people are thwarted. Here we have a psalmist who is re-centering us on the long-term stability of the character of God and the potential character of his people. This psalm is intended to move God's people towards action. So that's it, Psalm 146. I, like I said, there's nothing earth-shattering in here. Um, I don't expect that I've convinced you of anything new or surprising, but that's not the point. It's not about awakening us to something we've never considered, but about recentering us around what is true and good. That there is a God that we can rely on, a God who is bigger than the specific moment, and a God who is good and challenge us to join God in God's goodness. One last thought. The Jewish community uh, who also claims and inherits the Psalms, uh, the Jewish community finds this particular Psalm so important that they don't just mix it into their readings throughout the year like we do. The Jewish community actually recites this Psalm every day as a part of their daily prayers. 
every day, the community starts with prayers that include Psalm 146. Every day, for thousands of years, days are started by reading and praying through this reminder. And I have to ask what the effect of that would be on our lives. We're wondering about what the effect this psalm is going to have on our lives, just reading it daily for a week. And I have to dream and wonder about what the effect of reading this psalm about the character of God and the importance of not trusting in the political leaders that come and go, what difference that makes. Maybe that's been one of the things that has sustained that community through all the political chaos and injustice they've experienced. So as we go, uh, again, we're committing ourselves this week to praying through this psalm and seeing what work it does in us. I'm excited at the end of the week to see, uh, to hear from you, to hear what the psalm has been doing in you and to hear what's happening. Love you guys and miss you. Grace and peace be with you.